This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Keeping It 300, brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm Fallon Smith, and after a week off, James Jones is back on the mic. He's at the NFL Network studios, as always. What's up, James? What have you been up to? What's going on? I am back. Man, I've been a busy man. I've been going from this show to that show to this show to that show. So I've been running around, and then I've been trying to work out to get all this fat off me because it's been the holidays, (laughs) Christmas, and all that good stuff, New Year's eating. So, you know, busy man, but... I'm here. I made it. It's good to be back, keeping the tree hunted. We got some good stuff going on. Some good stuff going on. Um, But last week, I will say, my brother-in-law, Jason, did a great job filling in. Um, But it was my niece, Jordana, who stole the show. And now whenever I talk to her, she keeps saying, keeping it 300. Keeping it 300. (laughs) I love it. It's hilarious. I love it. Uh, I also do have to issue a retraction, James. Mm -hmm. Sort of. So my dad was upset with me after listening to last week's episode because oh, I didn't what you done did. I know I didn't give my grandfather which is his dad of course the proper love when it came to his influence on the Oakland Coliseum Oh yeah so we were talking about the Raiders move to Las Vegas and how the Monday night football game was more than likely the last time the Raiders would play at the Coliseum and even though it's a dump now because of course it's old as crap it's still a special place to play for the players and the fans and For my family in particular, it's special, and it's why we are Raider fans. Now, on the last podcast, I said my grandfather was one of the construction workers on the Coliseum. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And my dad, let me tell you, my dad corrected me, okay? He sent me this long, crazy text message. He was pissed. And he said, what are you talking about? Your grandfather was not a construction worker. In fact, your grandfather was the man who built the Coliseum. He was the head superintendent. Yeah. Fallon. Oh, yeah. I would have sent you a text, too. And yeah, you don't want to know what my text would (laughs) have said. If I was Pops, I'm very angry to a construction worker, and he did the whole thing? Yes. So he was the head superintendent. Um, he was the man in charge. And even on his tombstone, he's, he passed away when I was little. Even on his tombstone, it says the man who built the Oakland Coliseum and actually the arena. He was even the head superintendent on what is now Oracle Arena. But back then it was the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum Arena. So, yeah. That's how we became huge Raiders fans, because my grandfather built the Coliseum. How cool is that? Shame, shame, shame on you, Fallon, for not knowing that. And I'm trying to talk in the most calm voice as I can right now. <laughs> but shame, 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 shame on you for saying a construction worker. And he is the man behind, behind building the whole Coliseum and Oracle. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh my goodness, yeah. So you're just no, trying to get brownie yeah, points I, for my I dad. I hope Pops listening to you. I hope listens to this. Pops, I'm on your side, man. <laughs> I am on your side because, man, I probably wouldn't call Fallon for a good week, Pops. You know what I mean? Even though she's still my daughter, Pops, if you listening, I would not call her for a good week. Shame, shame, shame. He was so on mad her. at me. He was so mad at me. Uh, and, but come on, this was like 50 something years ago, back in the 1960s. Still, I, know, I should still, know that. You should know if know. your grandpa built yes, I know. the Coliseum. I know, I know. Shame, shame. But anyways, okay, since the Raiders' time at the Coliseum appears to be over, I have to ask you, you played at the Coliseum, but before that, before you were a Raider, you know, you were training in state-of-the-art facilities and playing at Lambeau Field. But still, mm. when I talk to players, they say, okay, it may be a dump, but it's our dump. Yeah, there's nothing like the Coliseum. I remember when I first stepped foot in the Coliseum for a preseason game and the way it was rocking in there, and just knowing that we were kind of rebuilding, didn't have like the football team we wanted, and how it was rocking in there. I remember Charles come up, coming up to me saying, hey, that's a little different than Lambo, huh? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, this is the real deal. I mean, and it gave me goosebumps, man. Cause not only that, as fans of the game, Everybody knows the black hole. Yeah. Everybody knows the Coliseum. Whether you play for the Houston Texans, the Green Bay Packers, doesn't matter. You know the black hole. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You can visualize how it, how live it is in there. You see the Raider fans, how they come dressed to the game. It's just a different atmosphere. And I felt that when I first played my first game in there. Like, dang, this is real. And I love playing in the Coliseum. So how would you compare the Lambo Leap to jumping into the black hole after a touchdown? Ooh, that is that is a very... <laughs> I got you. That's, that's a very good one, man, because you're talking about two stadiums with a lot of tradition. You're talking about fans that have a lot of tradition but I don't I mean I don't know I don't know if it was me being from the Bay Area neither and you know just my whole life kind of following the Raiders and the Niners and you know seeing the black hole on TV so much and you know following Tim Brown and those guys so you know when I got drafted to the Packers it was like okay boom I've never been to Wisconsin you know what I mean don't know how great their tradition is never really followed them like that so it was just a different feeling jumping in the black hole for the first time because it's like something that I grew up, you know what I mean? Watching those guys play, seeing the black hole and all that, and finally I'm here playing, and, you know, I'm one of the ones slapping the, the dudes with the mask, the gorilla uh, with his mask on and all that, and the stands and all that. It was it was just different. And as far as the fan base goes, obviously you love the Green Bay fans, um, and you also love Raider Nation. Um, what is the difference, though, between the fan bases? Raider fans, and I don't want this to come off – come off uh, the wrong way come off yeah the wrong way but raider fans are crazy <laughs> yeah in in a good way too though yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. i'm saying like they don't care if you're oh and 10 whatever they are coming dressed up they're crazy they're gonna yell if you get in front of their face talking about their team it's gonna be a problem yeah. <laughs> it's just that's raider fans you know what i'm saying they coming to yell and scream no matter what packer fans are extremely passionate fans. They love their team. 
They'll do anything to see you. They know they players, whether you're on practice squad, whether you a draft pick, they, they know you, your whole background. They know everything, just dedicated fans. But they're more on the calm side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're more on the calm side. They come to the games, you know what I mean? They have fun. They they, they drinking their beers and all that stuff, hanging out. But they're going to make sure the opposing fans are good. Are you good? You warm? You good? This is how you dress? This is how, you know, they're more <laughs> laid back. You know, they, they, they get loud when they want to as well you know what I'm yeah. saying but it's just the Raider fans are crazy the Packer fans are more laid back oh my god bit. I would not want to be like a fan on the opposing team I remember being a fan and coming to the game and there was a Jets fan in front of me when I was at the Coliseum and all the Raiders fans the whole game were heckling this poor Jets fan and and his son and I felt so so terrible um, about it and I feel like you just described how in Green Bay it's a little different they would be like oh are you guys okay <laughs> oh yeah absolutely but you know Raider Nation like should you come into the black hole I know you got your son with him but I'm sure you prepped him in the car <laughs> at least you should have at least you should have prepped him in the car <laughs> and and this is what it is you got the wrong color jersey on in yeah. the black hole and that's what I love about Raider fans they are ride or die for their team no matter what? It's so funny. Anyway, so I basically started off the new year having to correct myself uh, in that opening segment. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting off on the wrong foot. I've got to get back on the right foot. Yeah. Uh, but I can't believe it's 2019. Time's just flying by. 2019. Oh, speaking of 2019, Fallon, yes. it's a new year. Did, did you make some 2019 goals? How do you feel about 2019? You ready? Are you ready for it? I am ready for 2019, actually. <laughs> um, however, I will say this. There's a difference between goals and resolutions. Mm-hmm. I do not like New Year's resolutions. I think they are freaking ridiculous. I feel like every day you should be striving to improve your life and be a better you, mm-hmm. even though that's very corny. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, you finally wake up on New Year's Day and say, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that. I set goals. I actually do set goals. So, for example, um, let's just say my goal this year, I want to be on network TV. I want to be big time like James, okay? So, oh, man. So that's a goal for the year, and I'll work towards that, right? A resolution is a decision to do something or not to do something, you know? So I can't decide to be on network TV. Well, I mean, it's kind, it's kind of a, it's kind of the no, same it's not. thing. Cause if, you make, dis- if you make a resolution, I mean... Now, I know people who make resolutions and, and don't stick with them because sometimes the, re- the, re- the resolutions that, are just crazy. That's my point, though. A goal is something you strive for the whole year. A goal. So at the end of the year, you look back, did I reach my goal? So for a resolution, you're like, oh, I want to eat healthier. I want to work out more. Okay, and then guess what? Um, after the first week, you stop working out and you're eating a bag of hot Cheetos. And all of a sudden... Yeah, and, I, and I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan on resolutions neither. But okay. when I do make them, okay. I try to hold up to my resolutions. Like, I don't just play with them. Like, so if I say, you know, I'm a, like my resolution this year is I'm going to cut out candy. <laughs> That's not going to happen. It, it, it hurts. You were eating a lollipop yesterday. You were eating a lollipop hurt, yesterday, so hurts, please don't it say that. It hurts me even saying that. You know what I'm saying? But I am going to cut out candy. And you always James, like putting me on blast. James, you, know you, had a lo- you ate I'm a lollipop yesterday. I'm telling the world today what, today, <laughs> what my resolution is. Do you hear me? You're bringing up yesterday. Yesterday was okay? the first of the year. It doesn't matter. You can put your resolution. You can say your resolution. You start your resolution when, when you want to. And today <laughs> I am starting mine. I struggled with it yesterday. Today I'm starting and I'm cutting out candy. And I am going to try to hold to it, man. You know what I mean? Now, I ain't saying I'm cutting out sweets. I'm still going to try to get me some cakes and all that. 
But I am cutting out candy, man. I eat a lot of candy, especially sitting around here at the network. I'm I'm, I'm trying to cut out a lot of candy. Um, so that's my resolution. So I'm going to try to stick with it. So I believe resolutions are something like goals. But I hope you I mean, hit your similar. goals. And I hope I see you on TV big time. You probably ain't going to return nobody's calls because, you know, that's how you get bougie <laughs> Fallon, oh, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I hope all that stuff comes true for you. And I know you're going to work extremely hard for it. That was a goal. And I, it was, I mean, it was actually just an example I was giving of a goal to, to show you the difference between a goal and a resolution. I believe in like, you know, people do, what is it? Um, vision boards. I think that's really cool. I have never done a vision board, but a lot of people do vision boards, which are cool. But um, I don't like resolutions. I just like setting goals and working the whole year to achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. If I do have a resolution, it's to not drink so much wine. <laughs> not drink so much wine. Only a couple times uh, a week. Only a couple times a week. Only a couple times a week. No, like a couple glasses a week. There you go. Only a couple okay, glasses a, a week. Okay, a couple glasses a week. Okay. There you go. Well, yeah, I mean, if you shoot for, you know, hey, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you get a glass. You know what I mean? Take one off each week or something. I don't know. Check in with me next week. See how that went. Yeah. I'll check in. You have two on Monday, two on Tuesday, two on... <laughs> oh, my God. My parents listen to this, so uh, <clears throat> be quiet, James. That's all good. Mama, know you drink wine. I drink wine with my mom, actually. Yeah, exactly. She's a lightweight, so though. Good. My mom's a lightweight. After one glass, she gone. Oh, you can, uh, don't call mama a lightweight. She then is. Because everybody thinking you're an alcoholic. I'm, I'm laughing, though, because she's, Mex- <laughs> she's Mexican, man. She's a lightweight. You got to be able to hold it down. That's terrible. Uh, mama knows. Mama knows her limits. That's it. She's trying to teach you. See, you do. You're not. You're not paying attention. She's saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on now. Let's move on. Okay. Now this is crazy. Cause I open my Twitter and I'm like, what in the world is going on in Pittsburgh? What in the world is going on with Antonio Brown? Lord. Yeah. Now I love AB. Uh, mostly, mm-hmm. mostly because of a uh, fantasy. I picked him up every year for like the last five years and he delivers for me, but yeah. I do not agree with the way he's carrying himself right now mm. and how immature he's being. Yeah. Um, and so James, you already know what's going on before our listeners who maybe don't know. Let me set it up for you all. So Antonio Brown did not play in week 17 because of a quote knee injury. But that wasn't really the case. He actually went AWOL. And today, which is Wednesday when we're taping this, Mike Tomlin said that he skipped walkthrough and then stopped communicating with the team leading up to the game. And then there were rumors that he got into a heated argument with Ben Roethlisberger and that he doesn't like that Coach Tomlin and Big Ben are so aligned. And so AB requested a trade. Now those, of course, are still rumors. However, George Kittle I'm going to do this little timeline real quick. George Kittle, tight end of the 49ers. When he heard all this drama, he tweeted, Sup, baby? And Antonio replied with the star eyes emoji and then started following the 49ers and a bunch of the 49er players on Twitter and Instagram. And basically, during Mike Tomlin's press conference today, former teammate uh, James Harrison, he posted a video with AB saying he's going to get the exclusive, so stay tuned. And boy, with those two... We got to get our popcorn ready. So I can't wait for that to come out. But I'm not done, James. Ryan Clark, former teammate, of course, called him out on TV. He said when he was with the Steelers, he had told the strength coach during a training camp that uh, they were creating a monster by giving AB a contract. And he even referenced the time at practice when he got into it with Antonio because Antonio was uh, cursing out a coach or something like that. And then AB today called out Clark, and called him an Uncle Tom for saying that. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, 
AB posted on his Instagram not too long ago before we were uh, taping this podcast on his Instagram stories. He posted a picture of Jerry Rice and a goat. So now I think he's just trolling, yo. Uh, it's clear, though, that he doesn't want to be a Pittsburgh Steeler and he wants to be a 49er. Or maybe he's just trolling and playing with all of our emotions. What do you think? What do you make of all this? Yeah, I think, number one, I think a lot of that stuff is petty. You know, when you get into an argument with your husband or wife and you, you know, ah, try to low blow a little bit, hit one to the gut. So <laughs> I think uh, a lot of the Niners tweets and the following the 49ers and posting Jerry Rice, I think that's just that's just trying to do a little low blow. But I don't think there's nothing really serious behind that. But I, I, I want to say this, Fallon. Okay. It's always one common denominator when it's blow-ups in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I want to see if you can guess it. Can you guess? Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. It's never Ben Roethlisberger's fault. Ever. Mm -hmm. It's something to do with Le'Veon Bell. It's something to do with Antonio Holmes. It's something to do with A.B. It's never Big Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, it's never his never. fault. Never his fault. That's the common denominator in this whole thing. You never hear Big Ben come out and say, you know what, that's me. That's my fault. Yeah. As a quarterback, as a leader of this ball club, that's my fault. I shouldn't be calling people out. I shouldn't be doing all that. That That's my fault. I'm the leader of this ball club. Yeah. You never have heard Big no. Ben say that. He points the finger. But – Fallon, I know a lot of people in that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Okay. And I had a chance to talk to a couple of them, and I'm I'm, I'm going to talk about it a little bit on Total Access as well. Um, I had a chance to talk to them. And first and foremost, A.B. and Ben Roethlisberger's relationship, mm -hmm. terrible. Okay. They do not have a good relationship. As much as Big Ben comes on TV and says, oh, me and A.B. are cool. I, if if it was a blow-up, I didn't see a blow-up. Oh, that's a cover-up. Yep. Oh, me and A.B., we the closest. That's, I consider him as one of my best friends on the team. Oh, that's a cover-up. Mm. So I had a chance to talk to some players, and they basically were telling me that, that the relationship is terrible. They do not rock with each other like that if we keep it at 300. Yeah. And it lets you know that they do not rock like that. Is as a quarterback that you done played with for the last 10 years, I don't know exactly how many years they be been in the league, but I'm just saying 10, okay? And you call him and he doesn't return your calls. He don't rock with you like that. You guys don't have a relationship like that. If you've played with him for so long and something like this goes down, a blow-up like this goes down, and as the quarterback and the leader of the ball club, you call and he doesn't pick up your phone call. Number one, he don't trust you. Number two, he don't rock with you like that. Because if Brett Favre, D.C., Derek Carr, or Aaron Rodgers call me, J.J., what happened? What went? I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to let them know what went down because I trust them. Those is my dudes. Yeah. I have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So obviously the relationship is shot. But this is what I was told, Fallon, and I know I'm just going on and on because it, it gets me emotional and it makes me mad because it's always <laughs> other players, not Big Ben. Yeah. He's always making sure somehow it gets back to Coach Tomlin, and Coach Tomlin has to answer questions about all this stuff. Yes. So I've heard in the meetings three weeks ago, Big Ben said smart comments to A.B. like, I don't got to throw you the ball. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know. Yeah, see how you just responded? That's exactly how A.B. responded. Didn't say nothing. Yeah, okay, you know, he must he feeling himself. We in the offensive meeting room. You know what I'm saying? He the quarterback. He feeling himself. That's, that's that. So they get on the practice field on Wednesday, you know, the day of the blow-up. And they're running routes, and I guess A.B. runs the wrong route. We all do it. Yeah. Quarterbacks misreads, receivers run the wrong routes. They're called missed assignments for a reason. Okay, we try to eliminate those. A B had one. They say Big Ben throws the ball on the ground, yells extremely loud, "Get me, get him out, get me somebody else in there." Oh, that was A B's breaking point. All the stuff that's been going on all year with Big Ben, always blaming it on the wide receivers, whether it's A.B., whether it's James Washington, whether it's Juju, always blaming somebody else but him, you know. And then behind the scenes, what we don't see, you know, a lot of the smart stuff Big Ben may say, A.B. was at his boiling point. Yeah. So he went off. Mm -hmm. He went off and, you know, acted a fool. But this is the part that uh, Big Ben said he didn't see. He didn't. He didn't see this blow. <laughs> he didn't see this blow up after this. That's that's what he said. He didn't see. But um. So AB goes off and he goes off emotionally. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know. You know what? You could trade me. I don't want all that. You know what I'm saying? And you know, you could tell it's emotional. I was talking to a couple of guys over there. Like you could tell it's emotional. He got in the locker room. He calmed down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But he still was extremely hot at Big Ben. You know what I mean? So so that's when he came in the locker room the other day, like, man, you know what? I'm done with it. I'm done with Big Ben. I'm done with it. He still was emotional like we all are. Just because we go sleep on it, we wake up, we still might feel the same way. You know what I'm saying? And he came in, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, this and that. Now, I do want to say as a defensive player, you know, when you come in and do that, you know, now you kind of quitting on us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not just big, not just big Ben. The whole team. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm saying like offensive players. I didn't say offensive players because offensive players have seen all year long has have uh, all year long what yeah, went yeah, yeah, down okay. because you're in the meetings with offensive players, so you see the smart stuff Big Ben yeah. says and all that. Like defensive players are not in the same meetings we are in. You know what I'm saying? So they see what happens on the field and, and that that side of it. So, you know, now it's like, okay, I understand you arguing with Big Ben and fighting with Big Ben, you know what I'm saying, but you're part of our yeah. team too. We yeah. need you. You know what I'm saying? We need to win this game and we need, you know, the, the the Browns to handle business and we end this thing. You know what I mean? So I get where they're coming from and I also get where A.B. is yeah. coming from. I'm done. I don't want to play with Big Ben. I'm in my feelings. You know what I'm saying? He's been doing this all year. It's always the receiver's fault. It's always our fault. It ain't never on him. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's that's kind of what happens. But Do you think this relationship is repairable? With Big Ben and A.B., no. Okay. No. So you think a trade because will I th- go down? I, 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 just, I just think the trust will never be there. Okay. You know what I'm saying? All all the stuff that Big Ben has done in public. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the trust is not there. Like, we've never heard A.B. come out and bash Big never. Ben. Never. Not never. Never, ever, ever. 
You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that he can give you. Like, I guarantee if A.B. goes or gets traded to the Niners, watch all the stuff that comes out about Big Ben because he don't play with him no more. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot. You know? But he's never came out. But Big Ben consistently comes out talking about A.B. And any other uh, person on that team, it doesn't matter. And it's never Big Ben's fault. You know what I'm saying? Which is which is crazy to me. So I don't think the relationship is, is, is repairable at all because the trust will never be there. Well, it's funny because he actually followed Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> on yeah. Twitter. That's that's pretty hilarious. He's probably like, I will love to catch passes from you, Jimmy G. I'm telling you right now, I understand this is a quarterback-driven league. You need your quarterback to be good, but the Pittsburgh Steelers without Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh fans do not want to see that, and I'm telling you that now. And you got a little taste of it, and I'm a big fan of Juju. Yeah. I love Juju. Heck of a player. But when Antonio Brown is getting double-teamed and you're getting the one-on-ones, you better eat. Yeah, exactly. But we all seen when Cincinnati Bengals had to only focus on you, mm-hmm. and you guys barely got 13 points. So let's just say the relationship isn't going to be repairable or salvageable. If you're ownership, you're like, we're going to have to choose, right? And Ben is on the tail end of his career. Yeah. AB is getting up there. I think what AB is like 28 years old, right? Uh, I think he's closer to 30. AB might be closer to 30. But he's still in the prime of his career. Still one of the top receivers in the league. Big Ben on the tail end of his career. He's always injured. I'm figuring out a way to get another quarterback via trade, free agency, uh, the draft, something. I'm keeping Antonio Brown. I'm keeping my franchise wide receiver. Yeah, and and I and I agree. You know, I agree because I, I feel like you know AB is more important to that organization and that franchise than Big Ben is at this time. And at this time, yeah, at this time in his career, you know. Uh, but then again, we all know. They're not trading men. I know. So that, that's out, you know. So I think if it was going to be anybody that's going to be out of there, um, it's going to be A.B. And I think that any place I've been with a quarterback, you are the leader of the ball club. People listen to you. Yeah. Like, if this was going down with me and Aaron Rodgers or Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers, Rod, Rod would grab us, have a conversation with us. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not putting all this out there in the media like that. Like, we're a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we're, we're, we're not doing that. And obviously, Big Ben is not that guy. He's just throwing everybody under the bus. He's not saying, I'm the leader of this team. Don't worry about it, Coach Tomlin. I'm going to get this under control. Me and A.B. is good. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. their relationship is not like that. And Big Ben is not a leader like that. And he's lost the trust of a lot of his teammates anyway of even being a leader like that because of the way he throws his, his teammates under the bus. And they told me that it's a lot of guys in the locker room that don't even rock with Big Ben. They said they said Big Ben don't talk to nobody in the locker room. Offense our defense really and then it said in the reports though that um ab was upset that mike tomlin was more aligned with big ben basically like on his side than opposed to on ab's side and he probably is because we don't know the whole ins and outs of the story yeah you we know don't. what i'm okay, saying yeah. ab and tomlin do you know what i'm saying so ab could be looking like man you keep taking this dude's side yeah, he's probably pissed. And you keep coming into the media acting like I'm the big problem. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. I've seen a lot of what – when I came to the National Football League and I'm around veteran receivers like Donald Driver, when we get in the middle of the season, it's, it's really a no-touch policy. 
Like, we do one-on-ones. Charles Woodson and Donald Driver used to get up there, do one-on-ones. Would a shadow him, not even really put his hands on him. You know what I'm saying? Just work as professionals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then sometimes you get these young guys up here trying to jam me. and Man, I'm trying to get ready for a game. Go on with all that, man. You know, <laughs> let me run my route. I know we're doing one-on-ones. Let me get my route. You get your feet and all that right. And that's it. We don't need no collisions. We don't need nothing. we just out here trying to practice as pros. You know, yeah. I done seen people fight over that. Don't touch me, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've seen people stop in the middle of a route and tell the D, "Don't touch me, bro." You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to run my route. Get your hand like it's it. it that happens. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like for former players, I mean, even Ryan Clark to come out and say that. I mean, he has his own views on it. He's been in the locker room and all that with AB. I haven't. Yeah. But I've seen like wide receivers in particular act and do some of the things that Antonio Brown. It's not a big deal. You know what I'm saying? But they're blowing it up. Well, you're basically saying that he's not a diva, that people are making him out to be. But let's be real. He has diva tendencies. Every person in the National Football League has diva tendencies. You're a diva? You to... No, but I was, never, I was never really considered as one of the best at my position yeah, either. Right. And okay. I never was making $100 million and $20 million a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Neither. So I always, every year I had to come in, I had to grind, keep my head down and grind. You know what I'm saying? And earn my way. Like, A.B. is a special player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you really think how special A.B. is, it's all ridiculous. the money A.B. makes and the problems that he, have, he has caused – Give me A.B. all day. Yeah, exactly. No, no I feel <laughs> you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, he could be much more divish than he has been. Like, yeah. you know, but you, that's just my opinion. You could take a little diva with the numbers that he puts up, like, any day. Yes, any day. absolutely. Because you show taking Big Ben being a diva. Oh, man. You know what I'm and, saying? And with all the drama he's had over his career. Yeah, but none of the players that. ever come out and talk bad about Big Ben like Big Ben does them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they keep a lot of the heat off him, and I think, and that's why I really wish AB would have did an interview with uh, James Harrison and really told everything, let it out. We'll see if it actually happens because uh, it hasn't I, gone AB's, out yet. AB's not that type of guy. I know AB very well. He's probably trolling. He's not that type of guy. Now he may do an interview and maybe give you something to make you think about what he's trying, but he will never just come out and bash Big Ben because if that was the case, he would have did it already. That's very true. They were just trying to troll and tease us. But it's funny because a few hours ago, I would say there's no way they're going to trade Antonio Brown, especially because they're going to take that big cap hit, you know, $21 million Mm -hmm. in dead money. But if he doesn't want to be there, I don't think you have really any other choice but to trade him, right? And there's no doubt that they'll get good value for him. Yeah, but if... You're not you're not getting the A B in the draft though. So I don't I don't care what you trade him for. Just like you're not getting a Khalil Mack like we all talked about, you know, you're yeah, I'm saying that they don't have really a, a another choice because Big Ben and him are not gonna fit together. If that relationship is not But repairable, my thing but my thing is is okay, that's cool. Like if I understand that me and you don't rock with each other like that, Big Ben, don't come out to the media and act like you my best friend. But you can still we play can with just him. keep it strictly football. Okay. I get it. Like, it's not like Big Ben don't get on the field and don't throw it to him. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It sure. ain't like A.B.'s choosing to run the wrong, run the wrong routes and don't want to play with Big yeah. Ben. As long as they still producing on the football field, I know where our relationship stands off the field. So, Big Ben, you rock with who you going to rock with. I'm going to rock with who I'm going to rock with. That's how our relationship's going to yeah. be. And then when we get on the field, we play. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? If I'm the Steelers, I'm not trading him. But like I said, no. if he demands it, ends up demanding it, then I guess they don't really have another choice. So with that said, though, let's just say hypothetically they do trade Antonio Brown. Do you think the 49ers are a good fit for him? Any team in the National Football League is a good fit for Antonio <laughs> Brown. <laughs> I mean, he's not one of these players that you got to say, we, he's a system guy, we need to put him in this system. You put A.B. on any team with any quarterback, he's going to get open and he's going to get the football. So any team that wants a big-time player, Raider come Nation. trade for him. Because it ain't like, oh my goodness, because it ain't like he need. You know, any team. I know any everybody drooling at the mouth right now if this was a possibility. The Green Bay Packers, Devontae, A.B., oh, my goodness, Lord have mercy. I just got the chills. Woo-wee. That would be crazy. Gosh, you, t- you talk about you talk about A.B. with Derek Carr. My goodness. You talk about A.B. over there in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. and Jar- Oh, my gosh. You put him anywhere. Ooh, it's problems. Oh, my God. Big problems right there. But I think A.B. actually would fit in really well with the Raiders because... He fit in great with Derek Carr and the Raiders, and, man. And guess what? He'll be in Vegas in a year, and something tells me that guy likes to have a little fun. He might like to have a little fun on the strip, too. So maybe that's an attractive destination for him. I'm just, I'm just saying. I could see him in black. I could see him in that black and silver running, making plays with Derek Carr. But like I said, A.B. is not a system guy. He's not one of those guys where you got to put him in the right system. You put him in, you let him play, and he's going to make plays. The last thing about this whole situation, though, part of it, in my opinion, I feel like winning cures everything. And the fact that they had a tough season, Mm -hmm. I think that could have caused some friction as well just throughout the entire locker room. Because if they were winning, do you think this would still be happening? Like, has A.B. and Ben's relationship been like this for the last few years, several years? It's been like this for the last years. But like you said, you're, you're extremely right because winning covers stuff up. It doesn't necessarily make things a lot better, yeah. but it covers things up. You know what I'm saying? Because how is A.B. and Big Ben's relationship not good and we're 9-0? and you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Or how did we win six in a row, but their relationship's not good? Like, nobody's even going to be trying to attack that no. because it's like, man, whatever. We winning. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know, like when A.B. last year, when A.B. knocked the whole container off the on the sideline because he was wide open on one of the plays, like, they won. They were winning. You know what I'm saying? They had a good team last year. Boom. You talk about it that week, it's done. It's no more talk about Big Ben and A.B. relationship because they're winning. You know what I mean? So it covers up a lot of stuff. Dang, you know what? I need to put this podcast up because you are kind of breaking some news, sort of, and you're going to do it on Total Access, and they're going to have it up before us, and they'll probably be mad if I put this on Twitter, huh? Yeah, you can't post it right now because you're going to mess my juice up I on know, Total I Access. I know, you know, I will. I'll saying? wait, I'll wait till just after. Post, yeah, just post it right after TA, and then you, we're going to get all <laughs> the juice. Because I, I, I'm definitely not going to be able to say everything I said, because as you know, on TV, the segments is two minutes, and the other people got to talk, too. So it's really the exclusive interview on here because I was able to talk for day near 25 minutes breaking down the whole situation so yeah you know we got the exclusive here i'll keep it at 300 because it gets it gets me upset man that it's never big ben's fault it really gets me upset and then before i even got on the podcast with you yeah i read a little tweet and it said big ben says that Le'Veon bell's distractions hurt the team way more than him not even playing oh lord you know what i'm saying just like that like it's never him yeah like when you guys were losing all that game all those games it wasn't you throwing all those picks it was the receivers running the wrong routes or you know the receivers need to dive and go make this play and you don't play receiver big ben 
You don't know how hard it is to track these balls. You don't know how hard it is when a DB is coming, holds, pulling on you and holding you or coming down to hit you and you still want to catch it. You got to catch it. You don't know. What's going to happen when uh, Big Ben comes after you like, yo, really? Man, come on, Big Ben. I ain't never been scared of nobody. <laughs> okay, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't with you right now. You know? Oh, man. Okay, we're going to move on from that, but that was some good stuff for sure. I can't wait to post it. But you know who I would want on my team? Beast, beast, beast. And no, not Julio Jones. I'm talking about mm. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, my goodness. Who wouldn't want to have him? <laughs> well, well, number one, he doesn't talk too much. He's about his yeah. business, you know, so you don't mm-hmm. see all this drama with him in the media. And he doesn't drop the ball. So this stat is ridiculous. I know you saw it. But um, on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, I saw someone post this stat. He had 115 receptions and zero drops. Zero dropped passes. Yeah, that's special. You were a wide receiver. This is dang near impossible. So how the heck did he do it? (laughs) You know what? That's special. I mean, he did it because he's a special player and he got probably the best hands in the National Football League. And which I like to call him, I call him mittens. (laughs) 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 Because mittens means you catch everything. That was our term when we played. You make a great catch. You're like, man, that boy got mittens. And that's what DeAndre Hopkins has. He has mittens. He has body control. He has eye control. He can track the ball anywhere it's going. He's just a special receiver. And we always used to pride ourselves on catching the ball, zero drops. Like, we used to have a chart up in our wide receiver room in Green Bay. And if you dropped two balls, Mm -hmm. because we used to do winning and losing performances, if you had 13 catches for 262 yards and three touchdowns, two drops, that is a losing performance. We do not drop the football. As a receiver, catching the football is everything. That's what you pride yourself on. Like, if you go out to a football game and you have 10 catches and you dropped one, you're thinking about that drop all night. Oh, for sure. You know? And for for Hopkins to go out there, 115 catches, zero drop. That's special, brother. That is special. And if you are listening to me, Hopkins, right now, that is special, my man. That is special. I wish I was like you. I'm teaching my kids to be like you, man. That is special. That is unbelievable. Now, I don't know how long they've been keeping these stats for drops, but I highly doubt there is somebody else that has had zero drops because that's just a ridiculous stat, mind-blowing stat. For for this many catches, like it might be a guy that went out there and had 20 catches, zero drops. Yeah, exactly. But for you to get the ball thrown to you as much as you, you he does and to have 115 catches, and you mean to tell me not one slipped through your hand? No, no. <laughs> like people don't understand how special that is. You know what I'm saying? Like that is that is unbelievable, man. And even some of the catches that he made, like some of these passes that that he caught are getting tipped before it even hit his hands. And just the concentration and the hand-eye that he has, man, is special, man. I tip my hat to him, man. I wish I could have accomplished something like that in my career, go through a whole season with zero drops. But I hate ta- I hate talking about it, though, Fallon, right. because he's still playing. Okay, I know. You're going to jinx him. You but know. here's what's funny. You can't jinx him as much as he might jinx himself because he went on Twitter. I'm actually just pulled up his Twitter right now, and it's hilarious. He posted a picture with him holding Almer's glue, and it <laughs> says 115 receptions, zero drops. But the glue is not no longer Almer's glue. It's Hopkins catch-all, multi-purpose, wide receiver, sticks instantly, extra strong formula, no drops. 
<laughs> literally says this on his Twitter. It's hilarious. For what he did this season, he has the right to do that and post <laughs> anything he wants, man. He's a special player, man. I'm telling you, people don't understand. That's hard to do. Like, I would take 100 catches and zero drops over a Pro Bowl any day. Really? Yeah, because as a receiver, that's what you pride yourself on, catching the football. Like, if you go through a season, like, you're going through a season with no drop, you're perfect. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're really perfect. Now, you could have ran some bad routes and, and did that, and it may be some plays where you're like, dang, I didn't run a good route. I could have caught that ball. You know what I mean? If I would have ran a route, it would have, you know, I would have got to, got to that ball. It's a lot of that. Yeah. But the balls that I had a chance to catch that hit my hands mm-hmm. for 16 weeks, <laughs> I caught everything. That's crazy. Man, that is perfect. To me, that, that weighs more than any Pro Bowl. I can't say Super Bowl because Super Bowl, yeah. but any Pro Bowl, any All Pro, because as a receiver, like like when you set your 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 New Year's goals, yeah, like that was always one of my goals. Don't drop the football. Zero drops in the ball game. I never got it, but <laughs> zero drops. <laughs> I mean, because everyone's human, there's going to be mistakes here and there, of course. Exactly. Everyone drops them. Like Donald Driver used to tell me, he said, JJ, if you watch me play long enough, you're going to see me drop another one. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, and I said, dang, that's very true, because as receivers, I mean, you want to catch everything, but it's, it just happens. You're going to drop it. You know what I'm saying? There should be like a perfection award then. For stuff that like this, some rare stats, there should be like an award. I'm telling you, man, special. Okay, so do you have a couple minutes to talk uh, Mike Mayo? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool, thanks. I know you have to run to a show. So... Mike Mayock is the new general manager of the Raiders. And this is a guy who maybe you know because he was a NFL Network draft analyst for over a decade. So he's uh, evaluated a ton of talent. But also, as you know, being a GM, it's uh, more than just the draft. It's free agency, how to deal with the cap, et cetera, how guys fit in your system, yada, yada, yada. So I'm indifferent when it comes to this hire. I don't love it. I don't hate it. We've said on previous podcasts that um, John Gruden is the GM and the head coach, and he has the final say, and that's fine. But I have said he needs to hire someone who he respects and will listen to, and Reggie McKenzie clearly wasn't that guy. Uh, Mike Mayock is obviously someone who John Gruden respects because he wouldn't have hired him otherwise. Uh, But will Gruden listen to him, James, when it comes to draft picks and other important personnel decisions? And when they disagree, how will that work out? That's obviously yet to be seen. Um, But Gruden got his guy. So what do you think about the hire? Uh, I mean, Fallon, I'm with you. I mean, I think this could be a great thing or I think it could be a bad thing because my thing is, is as Gruden, okay, you hired him. You said you guys have been talking about this since 1994. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, And all that good stuff. But it comes down to, are you going to listen? Yeah. Even if it's a guy that you don't believe that you want or that you need, are you going to listen to him? Yeah. You know, because if that's the case, you guys are better off not hiring. You better off not hiring him, and you better off just saying, "Listen, Mark, I don't need no GM. I got it." Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So now, if you're going to bring him in and you're going to listen to him, 
then I think this could be a great fit, you know, because he's been in this drive process. He knows all the prospects. He does his homework. And it's like anything else. You're going to hit and miss on some guys. But he's been in this business for a long time, so I would think the success rate will be higher if Gruden listened to him, especially the way Gruden has drafted over the past. So I hope. I hope he he listens to Mayock, and I hope they're on the same page. But I listened to Mike Mayock's interview, and one thing that I really liked that he said on there, he said, I've been in this business for a long time. Yeah. And he said, every organization that I have been to, mm-hmm. and I've talked to them about players, I would talk to the head coach, I would talk to the GM, and I would talk to scouts. And he said, all of them had different views. Mm. All of them wanted a different guy. And he said that was a common thing around every build and every NFL team I went to. So he said, I told Coach Gruden that everyone needs to be on the same page. Mm. Scouting department, you and me. Yep. And I thought that was unbelievable because you need everybody. You don't need, oh, we want this guy, we want this guy. This is who we taking. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everybody get on board. This is our guy. And I think everybody speaking the same language is going to be big for the Raiders. Yeah, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that I don't find Mike Mayock to be a yes man. Um, I find him to be a really strong, a guy with strong beliefs, strong personality, um, but also with a mutual respect, him and Gruden are going to have for each other. So obviously as a Raiders fan, um, I hope this works out. We all hope it works out. That would be amazing if it does, because they have a lot of dang first round draft picks and the next two <laughs> drafts coming up. Yeah, And that's, and that's the main thing. You, you hit it right on the nose, Fallon. If you respect someone, yeah, you're going to listen to them. Exactly. And um, they obviously have to hit the ground running, though, with the draft in April and then the senior bulls around the corner. So they're going to get to work. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how this goes. I think it's kind of a little crazy that Al Davis interviewed him, yeah. you know, back in what? I think it was like 2009 and didn't hire him. But it's coming full circle again, just like it did with John Gruden. So that's kind of a little crazy if you think about it. Yeah. All I know is Mike Mayock had me as a free agent coming out. So I got a little balls to pick when oh, I come back and talk to him. Dang. OK. <laughs> you didn't say anything. You've never seen him. Around, uh, around the studios? No, I ain't never. He never in here at the studios. But I'll see him at, uh, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. So I'll see him when I go over there, and I'll, I'll, I'll mess with him a little bit. All right. Well, James has to go do a show. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Keeping It 300. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and Art19. And if you haven't done so already, please rate us and write a review. For James, I'm Fallon. We out. We out. We out.